this has to be a first. This has to be a first. Do you, have you ever been to a celebration before of local preachers where the one who is being given a certificate has to preach before he gets it? <laughs> I mean, it's worse than a trial sermon. And I'm really sorry if you're disappointed that it's not Colin or some other eminent person speaking uh, tonight. You've got Jackie to thank for that. Uh, but uh, Jackie, thank you for the invitation. And uh, I find it an immense privilege on this occasion to, uh, to share God's word with you. Um, if you've got a Bible in front of you, uh, you might like to turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Um, if you're not used to where Ephesians is in the Bible, uh, you'll find it on page 1174, um, just to help you. Uh, but we're going to be looking um, briefly, I have a brief, brief tonight, um, briefly at Ephesians chapter 3. So Paul says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets." This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. May God help us to understand and bless to us um, his word in these next few moments. I don't know whether you've noticed, I'm sure you have, um, that words tend to take on, they adopt a different meaning uh, as time goes by. They have different connotations. So, for example, when I was a boy, which wasn't that long ago, really, 
sometime in the last century. Um, cool, C-O-O-L, literally had something to do with temperature. These days, it actually means pretty well the opposite, something that's mighty hot and brilliant. Um, and then the tablet, when I was young, was something that you took, <laughs> as opposed to something that you look at and play with. And the word wicked meant... Well, it had connotations of evil. But today, wicked means it's brilliant. Talk to any of the younger set, the younger generation, and they will tell you that everywhere they go and whatever they do, oh, it was wicked. Uh, and when I was a lad, <clears throat> Amazon was a river in South America. <laughs> I think it still exists but I'm more aware that there is something else called Amazon that exists the world over. So why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because four times in this passage in Ephesians, Paul talks about mystery. To you and to me, mystery has got a totally different meaning to what Paul intends it here in the Greek. It, it doesn't convey our understanding of the word in the same way as the word hope doesn't convey what the scripture really means. When we use the word hope, there's an element of doubt about it. I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping things will turn out well. I'm hoping that da, 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 da. there's an element of doubt about it. It's a bit shrouded somehow. Whereas hope in Scripture is absolutely plain and true. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the certainty of glory. The hope of salvation, which is the helmet of the Word of God, 1 Thessalonians 5. And this word mystery to us is something that is obscure, it's something that is unclear, uh, it's puzzling, there's no obvious answer. But the Greek refers to a secret that has become unveiled. It's like a present, a wrapped present where the wrapping has been taken off and you can suddenly see what you've got rather than going by look or feel. It's almost the opposite of what we mean. So when Paul talks about mystery, he's talking about an obvious, patently obvious fact. No longer something uh, that defies human understanding because it's been revealed to Paul by, by God's divine grace and by the Holy Spirit. So what is it? What is it? It's simply the truth that God's astounding love and God's grace for all mankind now extends to the whole of Christendom. And not just to the Jewish race. 
what was concealed to previous generations before Jesus is now a wide open and a transparent truth. It is God's ordained plan both to reconcile the Jews and the Gentiles to one another, but also to God himself through the work of Jesus on the cross. And Paul is saying that the Christian church has the responsibility of declaring this open secret to all living beings, verse 10. Or in other words, the gospel, my friends, is for everyone. No one is excluded. And that's comforting in a world where hope is in short supply. We can be winners through God's grace. And so Paul goes on to talk about the privilege of proclamation, or shall I say the privilege of preaching. But to those of you who aren't preachers, it's the privilege of talking about Christ and his love and his grace for every single person. And we can mirror ourselves in Paul's uh, in Paul's experiences, three things, and I'm going to be brief. <clears throat> First of all, he had a new revelation. Remember, Paul was a Jew, steeped in Jewish history, brought up in the strict tr tradition of the Jews. But he had a new revelation. He never thought of himself as having discovered God's grace for himself, Rather, God had revealed it to him and commissioned him to preach. If you turn to, don't do it now, turn to Acts 26, uh, before Agrippa, he said to, to Agrippa, the Lord said to me, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness. I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, we all come to personal faith in God in different ways. For few of us, it is a Damascus Road experience like Paul had. But thank God... Thank God for the day he revealed his grace to you. And your eyes were opened. The theology of it doesn't matter. What does matter is once I was blind and now I see. Because you know what you believe. The grace of God that has been revealed to you. And I want to ask you tonight whether that is true for you. You don't stumble into the Christian faith. You can't bluff your way through it. There has to be a point where there is conscious trust and conscious faith in Christ, my Saviour, my Redeemer, and my only hope. Second, 
Secondly, Paul was not just a recipient of this grace of God, this good news, but he was also an ambassador for it. The leaders in Jerusalem, Galatians 2.9, recognized the grace given to me, that he was an apostle to the Gentiles. And his task was to pass on the unsearchable riches of Christ, a task and a calling that he gave everything that he had got through every kind of opposition, and he did it with a passion. And those of us who are preachers, those of us who are ministers, or do I have to call you presbyters, we recognize the grace that God has given us to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. And we're eternally grateful to him that we are ambassadors, messengers of that good news. But it doesn't exclude those who aren't preachers. It doesn't. We are all heralds of that same astounding love and grace, the endless treasure, the infinite, unfathomable wealth the incalculable, boundless riches, all described by Jesus in Matthew 13, the hidden treasure. And those unsearchable riches of Christ are not just theology. They are not just doctrine. They are not just the gospel. They are Christ himself. So what are we doing with the great wealth that God has given us? And as I thought about that question, those words of Scripture came ringing in my ears. This is a day of good news and we hold our peace. We are a silent minority. Alan Hirsch, whose name may be new to you, said this, in so many churches, the mission of the church has actually become the maintenance of the institution itself. The mission of the church has actually become the maintenance of the institution itself. Jackie and others. There is no other message. There is nothing else worthy to proclaim than God's free grace for every single person. I want to say to you tonight, Jackie, and other preachers, keep preaching that message. Keep living that message. Stand firm and don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Paul's humility in all this is very apparent. His servant attitude, look at verse 7. His utter dependence on God's enabling and his power. Recognition of his own inadequacy. Things that we preachers have to understand and acknowledge. They are vital qualities. And Paul was a minister of the gospel according to the gift of God's grace and by the working of his power 
And so are you and so am I because we are ambassadors of the unsearchable riches of Christ. What a privilege. What a privilege. Thirdly, Paul willingly fulfilled his calling and he was faithful to it. His only intention was to preach Christ crucified and risen, not some other version or interpretation of it. And it wasn't as a wearisome duty or as a burden to him, but it was as a joyful privilege. Hold that against all the odds that he experienced. He stuck to and with his commission. How much more can be achieved when we recognize the calling of God on our lives and the enabling of his spirit within us? It's a bit different to being coerced into doing jobs. God's free grace for every single person coupled with a passion for Jesus, must always be the spur to the church's work and witness. Based on the truth of God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that we can remind ourselves again of your infinite goodness, your astounding love, your amazing gift of forgiveness and life in Jesus Christ. Help us to know that in truth and in reality in our own experience, first of all. And after that, by your spirit, would you stir up within us such an enthusiasm, a passion uh, for Jesus because of who he is and what he's done for us that we might seek to be ambassadors for him. And that we might do that not as a burden or as a duty, but out of sheer delight in wanting to serve you. By your spirit, Lord, whether we're a preacher or whether we're not, be at work in our lives. Transform them into your likeness and give us joy in being named as the children of God. For your namesake and your glory. Amen.